0: code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello.
1: You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF, and the trials of trying for a baby.
2: I'm Gabby. And I'm Emma. And we're both card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. I, that's your name. I know. It's, yeah. yeah. Sorry,
1: guys. You know what episode is. Yeah. You don't even care. Why do you care? It's it doesn't just a number.
2: We're, we're just like it's a like. Uh,
1: it's the next episode, guys.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Can I start by saying that we're shaking things up? Yes, do. We're shaking things up. We are. Um. We've taken your feedback on board. We have. And what we're going to do is going to put the interview first, then Professor Tim. Yeah. Then us twatting on. Yeah. And then that way, if you want to skip pregnancy chat, it's much easier. Exactly. So... So are we doing that today? Yeah. Okay. So
1: everyone just let us know what you think about that.
2: Yeah, please do.
1: Do you appreciate this shake up? Yes. Do you find it irritating? Has it ruined your day?
2: Yeah. Either way we have got a really interesting interview.
1: So we spoke to Kate Pinney, yes, from the Tommy's charity.
2: Yes, and we are talking about miscarriage, which is not a great subject. It's not a fun subject, but it's an important one. It's an important one and one that we haven't discussed enough, basically.
1: No, I think we've had we've had guests on who've spoken briefly about having a miscarriage. Yeah. But um, other than that, we haven't delved into it too much.
2: It's always been a part of somebody's journey. Yeah. Journey, hasn't it? It, But it's never been like, we've never been like, so what was that like?
1: Yeah, exactly. You don't want to probe too much when someone says that. No,
2: you don't want to like make them relive their grief.
1: No. So we thought we'd start covering it by speaking to an expert. Yeah. And
2: asking, grilling them basically. It's quite a technical conversation, isn't it? A little bit. It's quite like asking about how it works. What you're going to go through, what you should expect, um, and I, I feel like we didn't like cover the emotional side of it that much. No, but we've got another interview in a, in a few weeks' time.
1: Well, we will cover that a bit where we more. Well, we will cover that a bit yeah. more and
2: we'll talk about it a bit more. And
1: It's something that we're aware of that we think should be spoken about more because it can be even more isolating than, yeah. you know, the rest of this infertility malarkey. Yeah. So um, it's important. We know it's important. And yeah. yeah. In but let us,
2: basically, let us know what you think of the interview. Let us know what, what we missed. Um, and let us, yeah, just give us some thoughts, basically, because we'd love to hear what you guys want to hear yeah exactly essentially
1: so we actually had an email from one of our listeners who uh, got in touch to let us know that she was happy to hear that we were going to be covering miscarriage um, because it was something that had happened to her and her point was she said unfortunately miscarriages are something that women never talk about and however if you have the courage to mention it everyone knows someone who's had one Every woman silently wants to share her story, however, is generally afraid to do so. If we can talk about infertility openly, why can't we discuss miscarriages and why they happen? If you can try and break the stigma and encourage others to talk about baby loss or give them as much information as you have done on IVF and infertility, I think your tribe would benefit greatly.
2: Well, hopefully you guys will benefit from this. I hope so, yeah. Um, then we're talking to Professor Tim. About apple cider vinegar. Yeah. And whether it helps to regulate your hormones. Yeah, that classic fertility aid. Not whether it tastes good on chips. Which I'm sure it actually does as well. Yeah, definitely does. And yeah, other than that, uh, you can get in touch with us. Yeah. Email us. Bigfatnegativepodcast at gmail.com Or
1: get one touch on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Bigfatnegative. Or Twitter. Bigfatnegative. Or Facebook. Uh, Bigfatnegative.
1: Correct, we've passed the test. Um, okay, guys, enjoy the episode, and we'll speak to you soon.
2: So, Kate, it's so nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Um, we're talking about something that we nobody likes to talk about. Um, and actually, at the beginning, before we kind of start, I would love to talk to you about the language and how we how we discuss this topic because mm. you know the word miscarriage. It sounds like you, I think one of our previous guests has said, it sounds like you kind of, oops, I dropped my baby. Mm -hmm. Um, What is the best way to discuss this? What's the best
3: terminology to use? Well, I think that miscarriages is sort of the official terminology, Uh but you can also have pregnancy loss, baby loss, and for everyone they'll identify differently. So some women or parents would prefer baby loss and they want to recognise that they've had a baby and Mm -hmm. not had that baby anymore. But others feel like baby loss sounds like oh I've just lost a baby somewhere. Where <laughs> where's the baby gone? Um, so it is really personal. But okay. for as a generalised term, we would use miscarriage, sort of, well up until 24 weeks, really. Okay.
1: So what are the kind of What are the kind of signs that this is something that's happening to you?
3: Mm. So the most obvious signs of a miscarriage is bleeding and pain. Mm -hmm. And there will be women that have bleeding and pain. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are having a miscarriage, but they are the most obvious signs. But for some women, they may not experience really any signs. They might have some subtle loss of symptoms, but then symptoms can vary a lot in the first trimester. So it's quite difficult to... Pick up on what's happening, really. Um, so sometimes it's not always obvious, and other times, you know, it is. You you can pretty much know what's happening. You're getting a lot of pain. You're getting a mm. lot of bleeding, mm. and the inevitable, you know, is happening. Really, so it can vary hugely, and it can be really confusing as well to know what's going on. And sometimes you can go for a scan, and then things aren't clear, and then you're thinking what do we do now you know you're just sort of sitting and waiting and it's just really really difficult so it's not always black and white and obvious what's happening. Miscarriage isn't a black and
2: white thing mm, you don't mm, just have you're not pregnant one day and not pregnant the next no. you're like it's like a
3: gradual process it can take weeks. It can and I think when someone's experiencing symptoms they'll have a scan and they'll say oh, actually we can see the baby's heartbeat baby's in the right place, you know, we can reassure you at that time, Mm -hmm. but it's not predictive. And Mm -hmm. then they'll say, Oh come back in two weeks for a scan. And you're like, well great, what am I meant to (laughs) do in that two weeks? And it's just a lot we get a lot of calls and thinking like, what can I do? What how can I help this pregnancy? And it's so hard because there isn't you know we give the general advice, you know, trying to live as healthy and balanced exercise and diet and lifestyle that you can and managing your emotional well being but physically, there's not anything that we can say. well, do this, do this. It will help. Um, so It's just waiting for that, the, the next scan, and it can just feel like a lifetime. It mm. is such a long time. And so, when um,
1: when someone is having a miscarriage and it's been it's been diagnosed, mm. um, like how
3: how long does it then last for? How long does the bleeding typically last for? it really depends on how far along that pregnancy is how many mm. weeks pregnant that woman is um and, and everybody has different experiences and i know it sounds quite cliche but it is you know for some women if it's very early on it might just feel like a heavy period few period type cramps and everything's over with within a day or two, um, sort of physically. And then for others, particularly if it's slightly later on, but not always, you know, they can it can go on for a long, long time. And unfortunately, you know, we will speak to women that have had a miscarriage, they think that physically everything's finished, complete, and then um they might start to feel unwell, have signs of infection. St- Bleeding start carrying on again. It's just, just some spotting that keeps going. That's just not going. And unfortunately, part of the pregnancy is just stuck somewhere and hasn't, you know, passed. And so, you know, then it's going back to, you know, whether they need medication, whether it's going for a, a DNC, going to theatre, mm. um, and that can unfortunately go on for a long time. Now, that is unusual. That you know, for most people. Um, you know for a a miscarriage that they can you know physically it will end within sort of like a couple of weeks and bleeding up to about six weeks is quite normal but normally it's shorter than that Um, but if it's still continuing on longer than six weeks then we would always say you know go see your GP go back to the early pregnancy unit um, and just making sure that everything's all okay
2: really And presumably, if you have been at quite an early stage in pregnancy and you've had, you know, you're pretty sure you're having a miscarriage, you should always go and see a doctor or Um, someone?
3: I think it's about what you're most comfortable with. I think that I've spoken to women before that have had, unfortunately, have had a couple of miscarriages before. And they're like, I know what's happening. I know my body. Um, you know, if it, if it's early on, the bleeding, you know, it is not excessively heavy, they feel like they're more comfortable at home and would rather stay at home. Then that's okay. I think it's about knowing where you're comfortable. But for other mm. women, being at home would just be the scariest thing, mm-hmm. and they want to be in hospital. Yeah, they want to be seen by someone. They want to be surrounded by professionals. Mm. Um. So I think I would always say to them, you know, just be safe, yeah. and have someone around that you can call and get to hospital quickly if you need to, because things can change and they can escalate. So it's about being safe.
1: So. So if you do present at a hospital, um, miscarrying, they don't send you away or kind of, you know, tell you to just go home because, you know, yeah. some people might feel like, do I go to hospital with this? Is this a hospital it's situation? at an early yeah. stage. Cause when, yeah.
2: when I was told that I was losing the baby, they were just like, they kind of shrugged at me and they were like, that's life babes. Um, which was hard to hear. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and they've and they just kind of sent me on my way. Mm. Mm. Like, you know, sh- should you expect that? Uh,
3: unfortunately, with the NHS, the NHS is great and I love the NHS, it's brilliant, but care does vary around mm. the country. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. Mm. Um, and um, the services at like the early pregnancy units, they do vary in their capacity um, and unfortunately that is sometimes what it comes down to. It shouldn't and I don't agree with it, but we have to be practical in in reality sometimes Mm -hmm. it does come down to that now some early pregnancy units you can go in you can self-refer and you could be seen the same day others will say actually we need to you know particularly unfortunately if it's a weekend out of hours they might say actually we haven't got an appointment till next week um which is really really difficult because so then you come home and think well what do I do and it's that feeling of frustration of helplessness again it comes back to I feel like I should be doing something I don't want to just sit at home and just wait for this pregnancy to end for me to lose this baby Um but you know unfortunately sometimes there is a little bit of wait to have a scan or to know what's going on or if it's very early on to have your blood test and the blood test you know you need a couple of days gap between the two tests mm. so you know again it's more waiting so i think it's about kind of knowing what to expect knowing the services when you get to hospital um you know and if you're feeling worried and you you're uncertain don't leave before you know what's going on i think sometimes it can be really overwhelming and you have a kind of a doctor or a nurse come along and say right this is the plan and off you go and then you it's not till you step out and you think hang on what what was that (laughs) you know what just even happened I don't know who do I call if something happens so get a phone number have someone with you and if you're not sure just call them and and ask Mm. and know what's going on yeah
2: um is there a list somewhere of early pregnancy units that have weekend hours um, or is it just... Or you just look on your local... I website. think,
3: yeah, I think it's... Most of the time it would just be having a look at your yeah. local hospital okay. um, and on there should be the opening hours of sort of local okay. early pregnancy units for you. If you're in London, St Thomas's. Oh, fantastic.
2: Fact. Fun fact.
1: Um, well, okay, so something that, um, well, a lot of people experience, especially... Um, Going through IVF as well is a chemical pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So, what is the difference between a chemical pregnancy and a miscarriage?
3: When does that's it? so scientific, mm. doesn't it? it does pregnancy. It's almost yeah. like it's in a lab or something, yeah. doesn't it? So, really, that's your sort of your really early loss. So, typically okay. up to about five weeks. That's five weeks after the first day of your last period, um, and that. But for some women, they will experience a chemical pregnancy or really early loss. And it almost is like a heavy period. And they may not even realise that, mm-hmm. that that's what's happening. Mm. And I think with pregnancy tests now, sort of modern pregnancy tests become more and more sensitive and more accurate. When in some ways it's fantastic, particularly when you've been on a long journey and you're just willing for that positive test to happen. But at the same time, a lot of women now know almost a week before your next period which is really really early um and so kind of knowing that early on you then there's going to be more women that are more aware of having a a chemical pregnancy or a really early sort of four week loss whereas Mm. before when you didn't have such accurate tests it might be like oh I've you know had a bit of a heavier period and you didn't even know you're pregnant in the first place so I think more women are aware of like a really early um loss and it's really tricky because you know in some ways sort of people maybe who aren't familiar with miscarriage or have supported a lot of families who've gone through miscarriage might just think oh it's not even anything you know but actually the moment you find out you're pregnant there's so many emotions and feelings involved whether it is really Positive, whether it is a time of anxiety, thinking, Oh my goodness, I'm pregnant, like you know, it can bring out so many different emotions, and that happens, you know, as soon as you know you're pregnant from an awful lot of women. And if you've had a previous loss as well, it can be a really scary time. So, mm. there's so much invested, even in such an early stage,
1: yeah, it matters just as much as any other loss, well, right?
2: Yeah, and I guess, you know. There are a few people that we know that have had a lot of chemical pregnancies. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Should, you know, if you are having multiple very early losses, is that something to be concerned about? Is it just like horrible luck
3: or is it as concerning as as multiple later stage miscarriages. Yeah, yeah, So when you say later stage, sort of, are you talking sort of maybe like eight, nine? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Weeks? So yeah. still in the first trimester, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so much that we don't know about what causes miscarriage, essentially. Um, you know, we know that a, a lot of miscarriages are just due to chromosomal abnormality. There's so much goes on mm-hmm. when, you know, we've got a sperm in the egg. There's so much happening. And something just happens at that stage which means that their pregnancy isn't continuing um but there are so many miscarriages that we, we don't have the answer to we don't know why um and i don't think we can sort of compare saying one's more concerning over the others okay. you know we'll have women that will, i've spoken to women who've had 10 miscarriages and no reason they don't know why they've had every test every investigation but don't know why um and then others you know you may get reasons and A lot of women are told, if there is no reason, look at it as positive. It is down to so-called luck, which is not a nice thing to say, but it is just these mishaps and actually you know you have every chance of going on to have a healthy pregnancy was having a reason maybe that there's something that can be done about that Mm. or not I don't know
2: but basically a loss is a loss is a loss like no matter when it occurs
3: yeah yeah so having a loss at say four weeks shouldn't just be disregarded you know um if you're having sort of three or more in a row then you're just as entitled to be getting support getting tests and getting investigations as whether they've been at at four weeks or whether they've been at Mm. nine ten twelve weeks um so don't hesitate to go and get support i think that's an interesting point actually is
1: the whole when when do you get tests Mm. can when can you ask for tests is there you know is there a a rule around you have three and then they the NHS
3: rule will... generally it's three yeah, yeah. um which is it's really difficult you know mm. if you've been through two or even one and you're thinking I've just got to sit and wait until I've gone through three miscarriages yeah. these three babies before anyone takes a second look essentially is how an awful lot of women feel and justifiably so mm. um you know at Tommy's we fund research centres and actually they're now starting to accept a couple of them after two okay um you know which is a really positive Mm move and whenever I speak to women that have had a couple I say go and speak to your GP they may not do the full whack of tests but some will kindly you know do a few baseline tests just to Mm. see if there's anything obvious that they can do or even just advise you on an next pregnancy is there anything that mm-hmm. you know you can look at and sort of maybe adjust or change in the next pregnancy mm. um you know to, to help before you get to that so-called you know number three, three where you get those tests
2: what what are the tests what what are they looking for
3: yeah so there's lots of different ones and the baseline ones will be your blood tests so they'll do kind of like a full blood count which will just be a general test to see if there's Anything sort of obvious going on there, and then um, a common cause of of miscarriage or a contributing factor to miscarriage is like a blood clotting disorder, so they'll be looking for that. And quite commonly, a lot of women are told to take a low dose of aspirin um, for pregnancy Mm -hmm. just to kind of address that. Really, I would always say to only do that on the advice of a GP, a professional, you know, Mm. we don't want everyone to go take because there are side effects to anything so it needs to be weighed up as to kind of what situation you're in what your blood's are saying before you take any medication and then there seems like they will do a scan to look at your uterus and look at your sort of pelvis and see if there's look at shape of the uterus if there are anything because there's can be all sorts of different shapes of uteruses somebody mm. can have too someone can have heart shape um, and so that can increase the risk of miscarriage as well yeah um, so there are lots of different sort of tests and investigations, and when you go see someone, they should go through, you know, what they can offer you, um, and then go from there. And then depending on those tests and investigations, is that is there anything? else that they can do for you um before sort of trying again really but you want them to happen before you're pregnant again because mm. pregnancy mm. can do all sorts of yeah. fi- a funny business to you um change your bloods and disrupt those bloods so ideally you want that to happen before you go on to the next pregnancy really um miss miscarriage is one that we hear mm. about a
2: lot mm. and that is just basically the the your body still thinks it's pregnant even if the baby is not it has died. Mm. Um what I mean is there anything that you can do that would suggest that it's happened.
3: Sometimes women just have a gut feeling. Okay. And I always think it's really important to listen to your instincts. Um but sort of more physically typically someone might have a sudden loss of Uh, symptoms so symptoms can vary a lot in the first trimester you can have anything and everything some women don't really have any recognizable symptoms at all so it's not a hard and fast thing really and they can vary so some days you might feel really sick others not really and that can be really normal but if someone is suddenly you know for example felt really really sick and then literally like overnight almost Mm -hmm. that's just completely gone then you might think, well, actually, you might just want to check in with someone and see what's happening. Same as if you're sort of getting any period type cramps or anything like that. But unfortunately, some women will get to their dating scan at about sort of 12, 11, 12, 13 weeks, and have not experienced anything. And then unfortunately, I've had the news that the baby has died. So um, it's not always something that, Women will be able to know that it has happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's what, so
1: hard, uh, isn't it? Because I've, you know, I've got friends who didn't have any symptoms during mm, the first trimester, yeah. and we're just, you know, just constantly questioning, oh, like, is it actually right. happening? Um, but, uh, but yes, yeah, so it's it's really hard to say.
3: Do we know why it happens? It's the same for any miscarriage. Okay. We we don't, and it just means that that hormone level is still raised yeah. in women. And I know, you know, I spoke to women. Take pregnancy tests for reassurance in the early pregnancy Uh because it's it's really hard you find out you're pregnant and then you don't really see a midwife till you're like eight nine ten weeks and you're like what what do I do no one's scanned me no one's checked that I'm pregnant they're just taking my word for (laughs) it sort of thing um and so a lot of women you know I've spoken to just feel reassurance and taking pregnancy mm-hmm. tests and i would never say to anyone don't do that because it's completely up to you know that person if they feel that that's helpful but it's also not a hard and, and set n- way of knowing that the pregnancy is continuing because you can still have that raised pregnancy hormone level but actually unfortunately the baby has died um so, and a lot of women do feel guilty. They feel like, oh, I should have known. Why didn't I know? Did I miss something? Was it something that I did? It's not, it really isn't. It's just unfortunately that for some women it does happen. And at the moment we don't have the answers as to why and enough to be able to, you know, help people with it. Mm.
2: You've kind of raised the, the emotional side of it. Mm. And what, what are the kind of emotions that people go through there? I mean, you, you mentioned guilt. Mm -hmm. is it kind of a traditional process of grief
3: it can be for some I would say almost anything and everything really people can experience some like saying you know feel really guilty I think it's human nature I think so many women will look back and think what did I do what didn't I do and it's just a real natural feeling but it's not anything that anyone's done it's no one's fault you know but we it's I think it's just natural to want to find answers and particularly when you have your miscarriage and like we were saying you then don't have any answers as to why it happens you know it's just something natural that people understandably want to find an answer and want to find out Um, and there's also sort of shock anger why hasn't someone done anything about this why don't we know you know why has it happened to me all my friends are pregnant i'm walking down the street i'm seeing pregnant women everywhere i'm getting emails from this company and that company because i'm from a certain age and i've you know all these products you know why there's you know it can be really really difficult to kind of be in a world where you know pregnancy is something that is just fantastic and amazing and Mm. you know there's so much around you and when you've got heightened emotions you notice those things of more and more um and then it's it's just like i said it can be anything just your classic just crying sadness upset feeling numb just not feeling anything um and i think particularly at the beginning that's what a lot of women describe is just that shock of okay because you don't when you first kind of find out you're pregnant your first thought for most people if everything's been okay isn't pregnancy loss it's not the first thing that you necessarily think is going to happen to you Mm -hmm. and particularly if you've been pregnant before as well had you know straightforward pregnancy before everything's been fine and then you have a miscarriage you think why does this suddenly happen now it kind of knocks you for six so you kind of get that numbness and at some point that does come out and you know I always would worry more about parents who um, just don't have any reaction for a long time and you're thinking that's you're bottling that up something's going to come out so it is healthy and it's okay to cry is okay to be angry to feel guilty it's all part of that grieving process but it's supporting yourself and allowing people to support you where you feel comfortable as well through that Mm. I think this
1: is um we wanted to talk about stillbirth as well because I think that's Mm. kind of at the different end of the scale from chemical pregnancy Mm -hmm. um what I mean how common is it
3: yeah about sort of one in just over 200 babies um and it's not again it's not something that sort of people talk about um but it is more physically obvious you know when we we see we talk to women and they're like i was in the newsagents last week i've lived around my area for like 20 years everybody knows me i had a bump and then how can i go back in there now with you know less of a bump having no baby like how do you kind of deal with that mm. and you know just again it's the same thing of seeing friends who are pregnant and you know you've signed up to this email and that email or you know companies are advertising to you because you've searched pregnancy and suddenly now you know you don't have a baby and this is still all going on and you know if you've got a little one at home already you know, life goes on, you've got to look after like a two, three, four year old, you know, if you've got them at home and going back to work as well. There's just so much emotion because with a stillbirth, it is more physically obvious. Um, And, you know, people are, you know, really worried about talking to parents who have lost a baby and worried about what to say, what not to say, how to act. And sometimes it becomes, like an elephant in the room you know Mm. like we know you've lost a baby but we're not going to talk about it Mm -hmm. and it is it's really really hard and then going on to potentially pregnancy after having a stillborn baby at that time is just you know at such a time of real heightened anxiety Mm. and even when you've had a baby and everything's been okay hopefully yeah. still that does go on and you know we Obviously, Tommy's has the Rainbow Clinic in Manchester. Um, And, you know, they they are caseloaded by midwives because you do need that extra support. I mean, pregnancy in itself, even if it's been straightforward, it can be a real time of anxiety and a Mm. lot going on. But when you've lost a baby before,
2: it can be a whole nother level. Uh, Is there any advice that you have for those people who've who've experienced recurrent losses or stillbirth mm. who then get pregnant? Mm. Is there anything... They should be doing to kind of keep their head in the right place.
3: Yeah, I think it's just really important to look after yourself. Mm -hmm. And for everyone, that's different. Some people love to talk to anyone and everyone and tell everyone everything, Mm -hmm. right? Others just like, actually, I don't really want to tell everyone. I'm trying to protect myself, and they might talk to like a partner or a friend or family or someone like that. Others might actually think, actually, I'm going to keep a diary, I'm going to keep a journal. Um, you know, and, and keep it private. Others, you know, there's a loads of fantastic bloggers or people do podcasts and want to talk about it. So I think it's about knowing how what's best for you, how to cope with it best that you can. And I wouldn't say there's a you know a better way. It's the best way is knowing what's best for you, really. Mm. And you know, always ask if you've got a question or you're not sure about something. Just ask, don't sit at home wondering, you know, pick up the phone to a midwife, you know, speak with your GP, speak with the hospital, speak to (laughs) Tommy's, you know, it's what we're here for, we talk to people all day long Mm -hmm. um, who need that little bit of extra support and sometimes, you know, most of the time, you know, we'll speak to women and they'll say, I know the answer to this but I just want to double check and that's fine, you know, Mm. sometimes it's just saying it out loud and, and kind of getting that reassurance really but as midwives, we understand and we have all supported, well, I think almost everyone has supported parents that have gone through the loss of a baby, unfortunately, because you know it's not completely uncommon. Um, and so, you know. It, it, Midwives do have uh, kind of more understanding, hopefully, of those questions, and that some people just do need more reassurance, and that's okay. That's fine. I just say do whatever you need to do to get through. Essentially, mm. there's no right or wrong answer.
2: Is is baby loss more common with
3: IVF? Um, so it is yeah i mean i think that um you know there was a a big study that showed that um stillbirth is four times more common in ivf pregnancies however you do need to take that with a pinch of salt because if you tell anyone that that sounds really scary doesn't it um But that's not in isolation. You couldn't ever really sort of take it completely in isolation because there's so many different compounding factors. So, you know, sort of age is the most obvious one. Um, So, you know, the older you get, obviously, the risk of stillbirth does increase, and we do know that. Um, And there are more mums that are having babies in their sort of early 40s, and proportionately, more of those mums will have some sort of fertility treatment or fertility support. Um, So, you know, obviously, that affects things as well. So, you know, if you were to kind of just Google it, yeah. You know, that is the thing that comes up which can be really scary. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah.
2: <clears throat> Presumably, um, the number of multiple pregnancies in IVF also is a factor?
3: Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of different things that come into play Mm. um so i think you know it's really important to you know when you have gone through that fertility treatment and you meet your midwife or you meet that first person it's you know you talk it through kind of really like what am i looking at because most people appreciate just straight talking what am i dealing with here Uh um so to be able to have those conversations and no one can predict what's going to happen you know Mm unfortunately i'd love to be able to but you know unfortunately we can't but you know there are some things that can help and have a healthy pregnancy and you know that preconception and lifestyle and things like that but in reality you know it's lifestyle to the extreme which poses the risk you know we speak to women that find out they're pregnant and had a glass of wine when they didn't know they're it's not going to change the world, you know. That mm. is not what's going to affect a pregnancy. Um, but it is getting that support early doors, you know. Having been on such a long journey for women who've had fertility support, you know, to have even got to pregnancy, they've had such a long journey beforehand. Um, and then it's sort of like, almost like for some, they describe they've looked so far into getting pregnant, and then it's coming to the pregnancy thinking, mm-hmm. this is a whole another sector and a whole other kind of ball game really um And that, you know, it is really important to get that counselling support if you feel that that's going to support you or getting professionals involved. And if you're feeling really anxious, there's, you know, a lot of hospitals have the perinatal mental health team, so you can be referred to them. And there's often midwives that specialise in perinatal mental health that can support you, potentially caseload you or work with your midwife to support you, you know, throughout your pregnancy. Mm. Um, And the earlier that happens, the better, because again, we have to be realistic there are waiting lists but also you don't want to get to the point where things are completely heightened and you know you're feeling really really you know completely overwhelmed really anxious you know really low depressed you know it's so much going on you want that as early as possible
2: we've talked a bit about support there um you mentioned obviously tommy's me is available and anybody can ring them and yeah if you think you're having a miscarriage or you need support after a miscarriage they're available
3: definitely yeah so we have um a pregnancy line that's monday to friday nine to five it is a non-urgent service so i wouldn't recommend someone who needs urgent care sort of ring us and expecting us to be there immediately you know we are just an advisory support line um but definitely we talk to uh parents like women and dads to be all day long about you know support around pregnancy loss around miscarriage and you know but we get a lot of calls in that early pregnancy we talked about kind of waiting for that scan and waiting and for some they just want to just call just to feel like they're doing something and be able to talk to somebody Mm. because that support early on is lacking in most places you kind of get you know oh great you're pregnant and then you're waiting and Realistically trying to get in to see a GP is really tricky, appointments are short, you're not seeing a midwife yet in most cases, so... We get an awful lot of calls, you know, talking through that stage, really. And quite often, we get calls of, I don't know even why I'm calling or what to say. And that's okay. It's fine. You know, just say what's in your head. Just say what's going on. And we'll just sit and listen. That's fine. And we can sit on the phone for as long as anybody needs, really. So, yeah, definitely what we're here for.
2: We wanted to to give you some questions from our listeners because Mm. we got maybe 200 Wow. But we won't go through all of the them. No. <laughs> we did get a lot. Yes. Yeah, I can imagine. Okay, so these are like, this is like the quick fire round.
1: Yeah, yeah okay,
3: I'm ready. <laughs> get
2: it. Yeah. Um, can
1: sperm be a factor in having a miscarriage?
3: So that's a really interesting one and it's a hot topic. It's yeah. new. Um, Tommy's are kind of doing research into that at the moment. Um, and we, the research is finding more and more that sperm is playing a part and it, it's sort of shifting a focus really a little bit off just women, you know, and it's not about blame and it's not about fault, but it's, you know, coming at it at a different angle. And actually it's not just about women. It's taking a more kind of holistic approach really. And actually men, you know, they're there as well. So we need to be looking at them too. So um, potentially, yeah, but there is more research that's going on at the moment as to really how that plays out and how that looks at the moment after you've had a miscarriage how long should you wait before you try again so a lot of people are told to wait for your next full period wait for kind of what's been a normal period for you essentially that is really only to date a next pregnancy if you were to get pregnant straight away again um and you know that can be important because you know it's nice to be able to remove any confusion that that might bring but you know some for some people they just want to get pregnant straight away and that's fine that's okay you can do you can get pregnant before your next period mm. um there's no kind of medical or obstetric or scientific reason as to why you you can't or you shouldn't um so i think you know, it's about if you feel physically and emotionally ready and that is different for everybody for some they just want to get past that miscarriage with another pregnancy mm. and <clears> others it can take six months a year you know it it depends on what's going on but essentially when you're physically and emotionally ready is the most important thing nice um are there any reasons for ectopic pregnancies so there are some risk factors that can make it slightly more likely um so uh, if you're a smoker that's a big one it can increase the risk yeah um if you've got a high bmi that can as well really? again age can pay risk after. and a lot of it we can't really say exactly why it's just linking so mm. it's kind of making that link um and to cause, and we know you know the effects of, say, like some um, STI sexually transmitted disease, like chlamydia, can damage your fallopian tubes and so it can make it more likely. Um, so that we know why. Um, but you know, there is a, a link with that. And of course, if you've had an ectopic pregnancy before, then you're a little bit higher risk of, of having an ectopic pregnancy. But again, the overall risk I think it when we talk about risk, it's really important to kind of put it into context when you say high risk, that sounds scary. It sounds like it's almost definitely gonna happen. Mm. But actually, you know, it it is over the grand scheme of things, is still, you know, we're talking small numbers. Okay. What are the main causes of recurrent losses? So with early pregnancy losses, again we know that there are certain things that can, you know, increase the risk a little bit. So like we're saying with age or smoking or raised BMI and some lifestyle choices. Um, again that we know that um, a proportion of miscarriages are due to chromosomal abnormalities so something goes on when that sperm and egg meet and something has just changed where the pregnancy isn't continuing but unfortunately there are plenty of early pregnancy losses where we don't know why um, we don't have the answers um, so that's what Tommy's is researching <laughs> um, what role does progesterone play in miscarriage? So progesterone is there really to maintain a pregnancy so um, you have increased levels of progesterone when you're pregnant and it's there to maintain the pregnancy. Um, there, is, there has been ongoing research about into sort of miscarriage about progesterone pessaries and kind of using those um, and we don't have an awful lot of evidence about they're really effective but some clinics i know it's tommy's clinic they they will do it because it doesn't cause harm so yeah. it's something that can be tried that's not going to cause harm but it, it's not going to cause a definite you know pregnancy will continue it's still mm. a work in progress with mm. that
2: i'm familiar mm. with those guys aren't <laughs> we always mm. um, should people avoid exercise in their first trimester
3: Especially bouncy running. (laughs) Bouncy running. Everybody says you should avoid bouncy running. I think it comes down to what you're used to. Um, You know, if you're used to exercising and you feel okay doing it, go for it. Now, there are a couple of things that we say... Probably shouldn't do that scuba diving. You okay. do that on a regular basis, probably not. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> contact sports, uh, anything at high altitude, um, but generally your everyday exercise. Um, you know, if you're used to running, go for it. I don't know about bouncy <laughs> running. What's a bouncy run? I don't know. It's just that everybody says that running is too bouncy. Oh, yeah. and, you know, and I am
2: actually quite a bouncy runner. You're quite... well, there we go, then. <laughs> Got a bouncy run. I
3: would be probably more aware of your hormones' impact on your ligaments and your muscles, and actually probably what that's going to do, rather okay. than <laughs> your pregnancy oh, be that bouncy. Um, <laughs> but you know, if you're used to running, then go for it. And actually, it can be really good for your mental health as well. You know, mm. exercise. Um, if you do not exercise at all, um, that's okay as well. But is maybe thinking about being a little bit more active so you're thinking i am not going to the gym that's fine <laughs> don't go to the gym but it might be that you get off the bus a stop early and walk or take the stairs where you normally take the lift or if you're hoovering get some tunes on and dance around with it just trying to be a little bit more active you don't have to go to exercise classes five times a week mm. you know so it's about being in tune with your body and what feels right now if you've had early pregnancy losses or you're really anxious for a lot of women doing exercise is scary and might not want to so again I think it's coming back to just simple things that okay don't go for that run then don't go to the gym if it's going to cause you more anxiety yeah. but you know go for a walk or you know all those you know things that you can just everyday things if you sit at desk every hour just get up and go up and down the stairs or walk around or just something Mm. just to be a little bit more active if that feels more comfortable for you um so what what is the relationship between stress and miscarriage so um obviously you know early pregnancy can be filled with anxiety and stress and all sorts of things going on and we would always encourage people to get support for that But stress does not cause miscarriage unless it's to like the absolute extreme, you know, we're talking real, you know, for those who are experiencing real traumatic experiences of, you know, extreme stress, but feeling stressed, feeling anxious, whether it's to do with work, whether it's to do with the pregnancy, whether it's to do with your social situation is not going to cause a miscarriage. Obviously, we say get support, because Mm. in the long term, it does affect your own emotional well-being, it can affect the baby and the pregnancy, so we would always get support, but it does not, it does not cause miscarriage. Thank you for saying that. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Myth-busting. Yeah. Yeah. Myth-busting hard.
3: Um,
2: How can people deal with the idea that they are losing their baby and flushing it away?
3: Yeah, it's yeah <laughs> that's
1: a really hard but one it's
3: really really hard and you know women are kind of seen at hospital whatever miscarriages being diagnosed and then you go home and maybe something happens at home I would always suggest to have something in the loo because more likely if you're going to start bleeding that you do go to the loo so having something that you can put in the loo um you know in case that you pass in your baby or the tissue you know however you feel comfortable in describing what's happening and you don't have to flush away that baby or the pregnancy if you want to bury it in your garden plant a pot you know take it to go to a special place and you know do whatever you want to light a candle you know anything that you want to do um just do it and if you if you can't then you know have a word with your early pregnancy unit and just say can i can i bring this in and Mm, you know mm. and then they can support you with doing that um but i think you know just do what you you need to do and i completely can only begin to imagine what it's like to if you know you're having a miscarriage on the toilet and flush the loo you know emotionally so unbelievably
1: hard. Yeah. The last question is kind of related to that, but I think um, so. Should, someone asked, "Should you take the fetus to your GP if you find it?" And I think that was more related to whether they could then do tests on it. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. So. As a general rule, the GP probably wouldn't be able to support with that, I would suggest. Um, You know, if you've had a miscarriage diagnosed, do liaise with your early pregnancy unit and ask, you know, what they can do, because it will vary slightly from unit to unit, so it's good to know what they can sort of offer and support you. Um, Generally, as you know, we've mentioned that kind of three miscarriage kind of criteria. For the first couple generally most units wouldn't kind of ask you to bring back pregnancy and and test um it would be kind of after the third but as I said some will after a second so I think it's good to know your options have a chat with them see you know what they will offer and and go from there yeah
2: okay well thank you so much for coming and talking to us about that it's so important and we we're like what thirty four episodes in or something Mm. and we haven't had a proper discussion about it yet so yeah Yeah. thank you
3: yeah and it's really important to sort of talk about it you know you're doing great here and Mm. you know it is people don't you know but don't talk about pregnancy and early pregnancy in particular um, and it, it's such a lonely place to be sometimes mm, yeah. and it's important to talk
1: well that's it I think friends that I've, I know have had it um, who didn't realise how common it was because mm. no one talks about it and I think mm. that's one of the things that um, yeah makes it important to,
2: to chat about definitely Absolutely. well thank you so
3: much thank, thank you are, thank for having you. me
1: now it's time for IVF
2: what the earth what
1: this is a ludicrous
2: one. Is it ludicrous? It's
1: utterly ludicrous. I know a lot of people that swear by apple cider vinegar.
2: I swear by apple cider vinegar. For what? For um, my acid reflux. Hmm. Yeah. Keeping your skin all nice and soft? No. I've got
1: like a cousin that like bathes in it.
2: It's got to be raw though. Right, okay. Preferably organic.
1: Okay. So um, whole foods then. Yeah,
2: very expensive. Um, It's got to, I can't remember why it's got to be raw, but it's got to be raw. So, if you're in the supermarket. For for anything? For anything. Think? Right. For any, like, health benefits. Okay. According to received wisdom.
1: So, you can't just get uh, apples, apple cider vinegar. I think, actually, that one, that is oh, raw. Oh, it is raw. Is yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's the right that's one. that's the one I've got on my shelf. Yeah, that's
2: the one I've got on my shelf. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, for, I don't know why. It's so great. But, anyway, um, I'm blaming Danny for this. Danny, if you're listening, this is your question. You asked me about six months ago. I laughed in your face on Instagram, and then said that we'd ask him, and we did ask him. Um, So, yeah, basically Professor Tim Child, Medical Director of Oxford Fertility, get me, is is explaining whether apple cider vinegar can help you regulate your hormones. And what did he say, I wonder? Here he is. I must admit, I've never, ever heard of that one. Uh, With these podcasts, I quite often get um, thrown some interesting questions i'm not really sure where they come from Um, this is an interesting one Uh, i can't find anything really on this uh, at all in certainly the scientific literature and also i can't think of any scientific reasoning or logic why um, that would help regulate someone's hormones having said that uh, as for many things if people want to try these things and you find that it helps you then i really can't see that it's um doing much harm obviously if you're drinking lots of apple cider rather than apple vinegar then that may not be a good thing so i guess check the label carefully thanks professor tim
3: many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care
0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: Emma,
2: how have you been? i uh, alright, thanks. Quite yeah, chilled. Yeah, um, I had a midwife appointment this week. Oh, very good. Um, had, did some... <laughs> so my midwife was due. All the midwives I've had so far have been pregnant. Oh my god! I mean,
1: I suppose it's okay for midwives to be pregnant.
2: It is okay, yeah. Yeah. No one's judging them. I don't think. No. Um, unless they're helping somebody go through a miscarriage, in which case yeah, it's probably hard. quite painful. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Anyway, she so she was due one day after me. The the midwife that I had this time. Um, which is quite strange. And I wanted to be like, I wanted to start like comparing symptoms with her and stuff, but obviously she, it was her second, A, and B, she like knows what's going on, doesn't she?
1: She's definitely not going to be there for your birth.
2: No. Well, I wanted to say at the end, like, see you in the delivery room. (laughs) And she's having it at that hospital as well. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, we may well see each other there. Well, there we go. That's nice. Yeah, midwife, do you deliver your own baby?
1: yeah can you imagine
2: pass me the forceps (laughs) get out myself i don't know i don't know any of this stuff (laughs) um but she she was very nice um and then i've got nct tomorrow oh wow god Um, you really are pregnant now i am prego i am pissing myself absolutely pissing myself not literally uh (laughs) that comes after right i don't know Apparently it starts happening quite soon according to someone I was speaking to the other day. Not yet pissing myself, but I am very nervous. Um I think it's really funny because we've talked about this on here before a little bit, like normal people who just get pregnant and everything's fine versus people who've had like who are part of the struggle. Mm. Um and you know, I've probably made some quite judgmental comments before mm-hmm. about it. And um I think you know, I've, we've had messages from people going. Actually, in my NCT group, like out of the group of like six or eight, like more than fifty percent had IBF. So I think I will be among friends, but I yeah. just think the reputation of NCT is very smug. Well, it always
1: feels like somewhere that you'll never be. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? I guess. Yeah. And so when you find yourself there, it does feel a bit like enemy territory.
2: And I do live in, in a weird way. And Notting Hill is the smuggest place in London, which is the smuggest place in the United Kingdom. Yes, that's very true. So the smug levels in this particular hall may be off the charts, but they may not be. They may be just normal. You just
1: never know what you're going to get, do you? I do know.
2: I know. And-
1: you might find a bunch of IVF warriors.
2: I think I probably will. have a, a really well. bloody great time. I probably will. Like, we'll probably just all be... Everybody will be really nice. And I don't know why I'm letting this turn into, like, a weird thing in my head.
1: Yeah. I mean, I kind of understand. Because, you, you know... You have been through all of this.
2: Yeah.
1: We, you know... Then when it, it happens, you still don't feel like you're part of that yeah, other group.
2: That's it. I think. I think it's this... You know, this thing of um, pregnant women are my enemy. And they kind of, in a way, they're not, of course. No. Some of my best friends are pregnant. Exactly. <laughs> but it's just that I haven't quite got rid of that. Yeah. And now I'm going to be in a room full of them and their partners. Yeah. And. It's a strange I, thing. I'm, like, excited but also nervous. And the woman emailed around everyone and was like, I'm really looking forward to it. Let me know if there's anything that I need to know about your experience of pregnancy. And I emailed her back and was like, just so you know, we're not coming to two of the sessions because we're on holiday. And there was this whole thing about having to book it and, and it was the only one that was happening in our area. And it was really complicated. So I just booked it. We're missing like the breastfeeding session. Oh, you don't need to breastfeed. Yeah, no one needs to breastfeed. <laughs> I don't want to get into that debate. Um... But, yeah, so, so I emailed her about that. And then I was just like, the other thing you might want to know is that it's an IVF pregnancy after three and a half years. And um, but, and, and then I was like, but I'm sure that's very common. And she emailed back being like, well, thank you for letting me know about that. Um, it's obviously a very precious little, uh, little one or something like that. So, like, nice words. Hmm. And, um, and then I wrote this, like, five-paragraph email back. Being like, t- like telling her everything. And then I just deleted it all. <laughs> I was like, be cool, Emma. Yeah. Well, she did ask. <laughs> she did ask. She did ask. I wanted to be like, well, at the beginning of the pregnancy, there was a lot of bleeding. Rah, 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 and I run a podcast and I know so many people that have had terrible times. It's been traumatic. And then I was like, no, just be cool. Yeah, well, you got it out anyway. Yeah, got it out. Well, I get it out anyway every week. Yeah, it's true. That's basically why we do this. <laughs> it's true. Anyway, like that's boring. More importantly, mate, how are you doing?
1: Um, good. Um, I've had, I would say, a roller coaster of a week. <laughs> um, so today is Friday. We last spoke last Thursday. Yeah, we the did. The following day, also a Friday Mm -hmm. I was working from home and went for a wee as you do and saw lots of big drops of red blood and um, and uh, well quite naturally freaked out Um, yeah rang my clinic they were going to call me back with a nurse I
2: don't understand that
1: well because you you ring and you get through to reception okay and then they're like we'll get a nurse to call you back okay but it did take it took over an hour which point I'm just sitting there squeezing my legs together <gasps> at my desk, trying to continue working, just like, okay. um, <clears throat> and then, so she rang me, me back and I told her what was going on. And she just said, well, it's too early to do a scan. So we could or what we can do is bring you in for a blood test.
2: Can I, at that point you were what? Six, six weeks, two days.
1: Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Six and a half weeks. Um, and, and then she was like, yeah, and you can get the test results on Monday. And I was like, what what's the point of that like I want you to tell me whether I'm having a miscarriage there's no point in getting me test results on Monday and I also I don't know but I was like she was like well that's what that's all we can do and you know blah 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 so I was like okay fine so went in and um so she came and greeted me when I was sitting in the in the reception and and she was like Hey, how are you doing? Having a good day? And what? I was like, yeah. And I was like, uh, I was a bit thrown. I was like, no. And then I think she realised her mistake and was like, I remembered why I was there. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. And then we went into the what room. The f- I know, I
2: know. Are you having a good day? I know. No, not today. No, mate,
1: I'm not. I'm really, actually, really not. Um, <clears throat> and so went into the room and she. Started doing the blood test, and I was like asking her, like, what's the point of the blood test? And she was like, well, obviously you've um, done an at-home pregnancy test, and so we're going to do this blood test, which will tell us your HCG levels and whether or not you're pregnant. And like, HCG is the hormone that's produced by the embryo. Yes. And I was kind of like, but I know, I know I'm pregnant. I want you to tell me whether I'm miscarrying. Like, is it, is it HCG that you do now going to tell you that on Monday? And and she was just like, oh well, you know, blah 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 blah.
2: Did you? So it's, you presumably, you knew from what she was saying that the only way that you're going to find out if you're miscarrying from an HCG test is by doing two in a row. Shouldn't say any of that. But you, did you know? Did you know that?
1: Well, I kind of got that, but I just didn't understand the point of doing yeah that HCG at that time.
2: I guess that the levels, if it had been really low, yeah, I suppose indicated, yeah anyway delayed
1: I was, yeah so she started taking the blood and I just kind of kind of lost it a little bit and started like a tear kind of escaped from my eye and she and she was like oh you know it's okay to be sad you know you'll have your baby one day what you're not alone there's lots of women going through this who are struggling and I was kind of like I I know I'm not alone are we just saying that this is a miscarriage now? L- I didn't say this to her. I just, I, I was it. just crying in yeah. my head. I was like, oh, so this is a miscarriage then. That's what we're saying. And then I just, then I started crying more. And then um, at the end she was like, right, okay, well, you know, we'll get, we'll get you the results as soon as possible. And oh, I, I was kind of like, can I actually, can I speak to a doctor?
2: Oh, mate. Like,
1: can
2: I- so by this time you're crying, how much?
1: Um, like quite, my face is just not, not in a good place. I'm okay. just yeah, just crying. Silently crying, but crying. Um and she was like um, okay, I'll will s- go and see if someone's available. Um and then she kind of put me in the in the waiting room and there were two women there with kids and I was just sitting there crying and then <laughs> the receptionist came round and saw the situation and was like do you want to come would you be more comfortable through here and um do you want to sit in the private waiting room I was kind of like hiding you away yeah and I was like oh but she was being nice because you know I was sitting yeah. in amongst a bunch of kids I think she kind of sensed that, that maybe wasn't the right tone for me at that time um anyway so I'm sitting there in the main waiting room and the doctor who did my embryo transfer came around who I know and I was kind of like hi and he was like uh do you want to come and let's come and have a chat? And then he just—he was just like, "Okay, tell me what's happened. Tell me everything. When did it start? What's it been like? Is it, you know, is it still going?" And I just felt so such relief that he was kind of just inquiring as to what actually proper was going on.
2: Yeah. Whereas she had just been like, "They're there." Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And and he was like, "We see bleeding all the time. It doesn't have to be bad news." Because I was just saying to him, like, "I'm I'm losing my shit over this."
2: And how heavy was this bleeding? Um, I'm gonna
1: say. Every time I wiped, there was like fresh red. blood, red blood. Red blood. And there was, it was kind of escaping onto my pad as well. Okay. Not a huge about, well, it was because I obviously I'd put a pessary in. Mm. So uh, I had a little uh, fun bit of that, which obviously had blood in it. So, so it was quite, it felt like a lot. Felt significant. Yes, it felt significant. Um, so, he, and then he was like, look, we see this a lot. Do you want to do a scan? And I was like, yes, can we?
2: Even though they said that they can't see anything at six weeks. Yeah. Even though they definitely can. He was like, look, we might
1: not see, you know, everything you want to see, but let's do it and we can, you know, we'll have a look and maybe it'll reassure us. And so, yeah, we went and did a scan and it it was fine. Like, we saw a little tiny heartbeat, which was, like, amazing. And then, but then... We finished and he kind of oh, sorry, if this is TMI, he kind of pulled the probe out and it was covered in blood. And then I stood up and there was blood all over the the seat. And I was just like oh, like I just was so confused. Like seeing seeing something that looked like it was well and then seeing that much blood was just horrible.
2: Yeah.
1: And he but he was like, Look, you know, as long it it as long as it stops you know, this 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 does happen. Like, I don't think.
2: And he'd seen what he called an area of bleeding. Yes. In the uterus.
1: Yes. In the uterus. In the uterus. In your in my uterus. Uterus. Yes. Um, and yeah, he was kind of like, look, you know, it, it's not great, but it's also doesn't have to be that bad. You know, as long as it stops and we get it get, you know. Um, and by that time, the
2: the blood had turned to brown, right? It, yes, it yeah. kind of had. Yeah. So it was
1: old. So it looked like it was a bit older at that point, yeah. yeah. Um and so yeah, so I kind of left thinking feeling a lot better obviously, but equally still a bit nervous. Of course. Um but then yeah, I went home and later that night it kind of all stopped. So so that was my fun Friday. Great. Um and it seems like I like to bleed on Fridays. <laughs> On Fridays we been? bleed. Yes, exactly.
2: <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, I tend to bleed on Fridays and or Saturdays and or Sundays. Days oh. the clinics aren't open. Yes. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a good yeah. one. Yeah.
1: Um, so anyway, that's story over, thank God. Uh, it was my seven-week scan on Wednesday of this week and went along and, yeah, everything was fine. Oh. It was all the right size, all doing what it was supposed to be doing. It had grown. It had grown. Um, and... Yeah, the, the doctor again, it's a different doctor this time, was like, Yes, I can see where the bleeding, why the bleeding was happening. I can see this area here. She diagnosed me with a hematoma. She's oh, in the cloud. Yeah. Yes. And she was like, Look, you know, it might happen again that you get bleeding from this. That's, don't be surprised if that does happen. Um, but we're going to get you to come back in in 10 days and we're going to have okay. a look at how it's progressed, the hematoma that is. <sighs> he.
2: Okay, so hematomas are weird, right? So they are basically like like bruises. Mm. And IVF pregnancies have them more often. Yeah. So I think it's a, like when I was looking it up, I think it was something like 10% of normal pregnancies and 22% of IVF pregnancies wow, have them. okay. Yeah, yeah. And they think it might be because when they put the embryo in, they give you a bit of a bruise. Okay. Um, But it's weird that we both have them. It is weird that we both had it, yeah.
1: And um, yeah, I mean, I feel I felt I felt a lot better coming out of the seven week proper scan. Yeah, like it is still kind of you know if if I hadn't had that, that would have been my last appointment at the clinic. Yeah, but because it, I did have that, I am going back, and you know, so it, it, I am obviously of some kind of concern. Yeah, but not. Not so much that I'm, yeah, that I'm freaking out, and I did have some bleeding uh, yesterday, so Thursday, not Friday, mm. but it was, it was brown. Yeah. So,
2: and you kind of knew to expect it. Yeah, exactly. They um, didn't invite me back.
1: Yeah, which of course, in my mind, I'm like, mine is obviously much worse than Emma's. <laughs> mine is obviously much more of a threat <laughs> than Emma's was.
2: I think your clinic's just different to mine. My- <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. So back in ten days on the thirteenth. Okay. I loved love the old thirteens. Oh yeah, you which do. Is great God. This is my lucky number. And
2: the va- the embryo transfer was on April Fool's Day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Hitting all the all the super superstitious roadblocks. <laughs> hell. Date. <laughs>
2: well, I'm glad it's okay. Yes. But so that's am I. So frightening. And you know, just these, these nurses who clearly just don't think. Before they speak. She was probably trying to comfort you. I mean, she um, was definitely
1: trying to comfort you. She was you. definitely trying to comfort me. It just... It's not... I mean, it's not even her fault. It just wasn't what I needed at that time. What I needed was someone, you know, giving me the facts like, this yeah. is common. I wanted reassurance.
2: Yeah, of course. And
1: I, did, I didn't get reassurance.
2: I think when I when I was going through it, I remember just wishing that somebody would go, it could be okay. I just remember thinking... Like, why won't somebody say, it could be okay? It could be fine? Yeah. And no... Well, my clinic was saying that. Yeah. My... The hospital was not saying that. Not so much. They were saying the total opposite.
1: I mean, I guess it's really hard, isn't it? Because if... It might not have been okay.
2: Of course. And I guess they want to manage your expectations. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, like, adding that level of anxiety when... When it's not 100% necessary, I'm not sure that's
1: useful. Yeah, I just think it was it was a bad combo. Yeah. Me and her at that time was not good. I'm not saying, like, she's I'm sure she's a great nurse, but, at, yeah, it just wasn't the best person for me to see at the time. But, you know, I spoke to the doctor straight away afterwards and that was the person I needed to see. Yeah. And he did say the things I wanted to hear, well, so...
2: Well, done for having the foresight. Like, I don't know if I would have thought of going, can I see a doctor, please? It's just, it's just another example of, like, taking control of your care.
1: Yeah. I was quite, I mean, I was quite surprised that I was able to, to be fair, and that we were able to do a scan all quite quickly. Yeah. Um, I was very lucky.
2: You were, you probably were lucky, you know, it's Friday afternoon, it's probably a bit quieter than usual, but... Maybe. I think saying, I would like to see a doctor, please. Because mm. I think it's very easy to assume that you can't. Because mm. you're seeing the nurse, that's all you're going to get. Yeah. So it probably really helped Yeah. you saying that. But in
1: in kind of other news, um, I've been reading Adam Kay's uh, oh This God. Is Going To Hurt. Just stop and, now. I mean, yeah, it's, it's bad. But one thing it has... Told what well, it's made me think is because he, whenever he gets a thank you card, he's so happy and it like makes yeah. his day. So I'm like, I'm definitely sending thank you cards oh, yeah. to the clinic to everyone who and helped make this baby exactly. <laughs> to like a a of people, I, yeah.
2: <laughs> We're gonna have to get them printed. <laughs> I just,
1: yeah, I was just like, that's that. I would never have thought, I don't know if I would have thought of doing that before I'd read the book, um, but it just. You know, it, it, he, the way he writes about it, it has such an impact on his um, his mood and makes him feel really nice. So I'm like, I'm I'm going to make sure I do that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Even
1: for the nurse who gave, not, me a, <laughs> gave me a bad time.
2: I'm not sending Mrs. I'm just being honest, a thank you card. <laughs> oh, no, you shouldn't send She's that one. She's not going. <laughs> <laughs> but like, there are a lot of people that are definitely getting thank yous once this baby arrives. Yeah. Which they should get thank yous anyway, because they got me pregnant. Well,
1: I was thinking that. I was like, do I send one now? Yeah. But then is that... Jinxing. jinxing
2: it, bumper. Bum, we need to have a jingle, a jinx jingle, a jinx jingle. Yeah, <laughs> but every time we're like are we jinx again. Yeah, we're not. It's not possible to jinx things because luck isn't a thing.
1: Yeah, mm. looking at prams, you jinxing it. Yeah, looking at baby goats, you
2: jinxing it. Well, mate, I'm so glad that you're okay and that yeah, baby Gabs is okay. Yeah, and everything's progressing. It is. And we're all fine. Yeah, we're all fine. And NCT's gonna be fine too. It is. Chill. Great. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, guys, that's it. That's the end of our um appended format. Yes. Yeah. Shaken up. it Shaking about. Yeah. Let's know what you think. Yeah. Do let's know what you think. Um and. I'm not going to tell you what we're talking about next week. It's a surprise. It's a surprise. Yeah. See you guys later. Bye. Bye.
0: customer survey 96 percent replied that bowl and branch sheets get softer with every wash start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15 percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details